Bird to your mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia, Boeing shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still Bo's old arch nemesis, Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill, it's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bo will for you come Coming at you with stats and things, flapping their wings. You can't live up to expectations, so just do your best. (laughs) That's what I tell myself in most life endeavors. (laughs) Just go with what you saw today. Change your opinion daily. Yeah, I'm all about that. You'll be wrong often, but then you can just point back to when you were right. No one will remember. No one's listening. Welcome to a very special edition of Birds with Friends. Me in my kitchen, Sheil Kapadia in his basement, and... From his ivory tower at Princeton University, wide receivers coach Brian Flynn. Coach, how are you? Great to be here, man. Great to finally talk to you guys. It's been, been a long time. Uh, got a lot of great content built up over the past five, six months. Got a lot of takes that you are, are ready to unload, I'm sure. And, uh, and for Shield, I think the first thing we have to ask is, uh, is this podcast the most interaction you've had with non-family members since the last Birds with Friends podcast? No, how dare you? I dropped uh, I dropped Naya off at gymnastics camp today. I said, how you doing to the counselors? And then I said, have a good one on my way out. Okay, well, yeah, I guess that's, uh, that's you flexing your muscles as, as, uh, as much as you can. Uh, so we've got a lot to talk about here today. Uh, and uh, after we talk to Coach Flynn, we'll do a little around the hornbill with Sheil. But uh, I guess we should start, uh, I don't know, where do you want to start? With, uh, with hard knocks last night? Does that sound good? Yeah. Absolutely, uh, Coach. Let's. Why don't we start with your take on the uh, on the seven man sled, which you were uh, very angry about last night. Yeah, I, and I no disrespect to John Madden, uh, but the, the seven man <laughs> sled. I mean, it, it's it's a relic for a reason. You know, there's not. First of all, you don't ever have seven guys on the line. I mean, occasionally, you know, you know Eagles twelve personnel might, but it's. It, you know, and it's supposed to be this attitude thing and this toughness thing. They hit it for like eight seconds, then everybody runs off to the side. It just—it has nothing to do with what actually happens. I'm sure every O-line guy right now is deleting this podcast as soon as he hears it. But it's—it's it, it, it's nonsense. It, again, it—it it, it, then it, the slippery slope from that to oh, this quarterback's in the shotgun. Oh, they never huddle. Oh, there's no fullback, and it, you just—it's—it's it's a. It's nonsense. The submarine sled is nonsense. Classic, classic take from a uh, pretty boy wide receivers coach. Next thing you're going to tell us, you you don't even want the Oklahoma drill. Yeah. I, again, I, I'm, <laughs> the, the whole you know the, the, we're, we're building toughness. Let's knock guys in the face a million times. You know what I thought was interesting though is, and you, you saw John Gruden say this: that everybody has the one defensive guy who is just a train wreck. You know, and and is just knocking everybody down, and you love them during the season, but the first like four practices when nobody can touch anybody, he becomes public enemy number one, and it's like this big deal. And then once that's you know once that small window is over with, and he either figures it out or you get to the actual season, it's not the end of the world. But you saw that with Abram yesterday, just totally detonating everybody that came within four feet of him, and it became like this huge deal. Don't touch anybody. Don't knock anybody down. You know. So that, again, I I think. 
it's there's some overcompensating in terms of we're gonna we're gonna build some toughness because the how we practice has changed and how we play has changed, which I think is all for the better. But the, yeah, the seven man split, give me give me a break. Yeah, I would say I would say there are two things that uh, you know, just thinking about this off the top of my head here, that grind my gears, as Bo would say, uh, more than any other in the NFL. And one is that I hate that guy. I hate when that I hate the guy who uh, comes out in a non-contact practice and tries to like prove his toughness, and then the game start. And he's like nowhere to be found. And this, I would call this the, uh, I don't know if we want to call it the Ernie Sims corollary, the Ernie Sims addendum, but like, that's the guy who comes to mind where he was just, I remember that training camp at Lehigh. He's just out there. This is when Brent Selleck's in his prime, like one of the, uh, you know, most important players on the offense. And Ernie Sims is just taking cheap shot after cheap shot at him. And it's like, what is this guy doing? And Sean McDermott uh, famously called him, you know, was asked about it and said, uh, you know, there's a shark in the water when Ernie Sims is out there. And then, man, the game start and guards are just pancaking this guy's butt. <laughs> And he's like nowhere to be found and he's a complete disaster. So, uh, yeah, if Abrams is going to, you know, do this right away and then the game start and he's like this hard hitting, really good safety, then fine. But, man, I feel like you put a bullseye on your back when you come out like that, especially as a rookie. And then the game start, you better be able to perform. And the other thing that grinds my gears, which really has nothing very to quickly, do with- very quickly, a whiff yeah. of Andrew Sandejo. Uh, throughout yes. this Eagles training camp uh, yes. for the Ernie Sims corollary, just to be said, he he like he went low on Zach Ertz's knees the other day along the sidelines as he's running out of bounds. I'm like, what are you doing? Cut the guy. Anyway, go ahead, Shield. Yes, no, I heard you guys talking about that, and I thought about Sims right away, and I yeah, I was like, well, is he still mad that like Ertz ate their lunch during that <laughs> NFC title game? I don't know what. Uh, yeah, I can't imagine the reaction, what the reaction would be if he were to like injure Zach Ertz in one of these practices. But the other thing that really annoys me is when a coach like questions a guy's like toughness or uh, ability to play through an injury uh, that, you know, publicly to the media. I know those conversations happen internally and, you know, that that's fine. But I feel like when you do that publicly with these guys putting their bodies on the line while you're uh, coaching on the sideline, I always thought that was just uh, completely uncalled for. Yeah, I think that's I think that's Bush League. Uh, the uh, the other thing uh, from Hard Knocks last night, a real feel good story. You got to feel good for uh, a guy like Richie Incognito getting the kind of uh, pub that he was oh, that he was given oh, by Hard Knocks. Oh. This guy who's been uh, you know counted out throughout his career. Give me a break. That was that was awful. Or or Tom Cable or Perfect. <laughs> I mean, they got a list of guys. You, I would want nothing to do with. Like I wouldn't want to have a hamburger with them. <laughs> you know, I let alone be around. I tell you what, I thought what I really liked the D line coach. I think it's Brenton Buckner who played in the league. Uh, had a really astute point. He was talking to, it looked like his assistant, and he said, "You know, what I learned about when I started coaching is if you got a bunch of guys, you know, you like the coach or want the coach, it's great. If you got one guy you have to coach, it's awful. You know, and then there's a lot to be said for having to kick a guy in the behind every day or." But they, they have, again, I don't know any of these guys personally, so I've never met Richie Incognito, which I'm planning to stay on that same course. But, <laughs> yeah, I'm but, steering clear of cable it, it, for it sure. Seems, it, seems like a really, it seems like some really hard guys to like on that roster. And I did like the show, and I'll watch it every episode. And, and, and like I said, I always will. But it is, oh, there's a, some bad characters there, man. 
Yeah. Yeah. And what's so, what's so interesting about that is that they're, you know, they draft Cleland Farrell early saying that we wanted a sort of tone center tone setter in terms of culture and high character, which by all accounts he is. Uh, but then you combine him with those other guys and, uh, it's quite a mix. You know, one thing that caught my eye, which is sort of, a I don't know if it's like a hard knocks theme or trope or whatever you want to call it every year. It's when they show like the athletes with their kids, which part of me enjoys it, but they're always like, you know, having fun and everyone smiling and laughing. Like I want some like legit fatherhood, uh, in there where like the kids being insane and like, you know, punches the dad in the face or something, (laughs) or, uh, you know, like, like my father's day when, you know, Naya, Naya goes, you're the worst dad in the entire world. (laughs) And then like, like, like that was one minute. And then like the next minute, my dad's like, how much do you weigh now? It looks like you've been putting on some LPs. Oh, no. <laughs> like, 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 let's get some, like, they, um... they, you know what, Phil? You are right. They, <laughs> they, they never show one of these players telling the kid it's time to get off the iPad. <laughs> yeah. You never see that. Yeah, yeah I like, want hey, some legit interaction. Pool, jump, jump in our infinity pool. Yeah, heck out of here. That's, that, right? There's no real life on any of that. That's for sure. 2020, I want to see where uh, a football player is trying to get his kids to leave the beach. Give me that hard knocks. That is one that every parent can relate to. It's a guaranteed to be a disaster. And, uh, you know, we can all watch it and enjoy it. I like that a lot. That sounds, that sounds like a home run to me. Uh, Coach, you're coming off a big, uh, a big trip, right? Yeah, we just we, we took a Disney cruise, a uh, five-day Disney cruise, and then had the ingenious idea of when the cruise was over and we got back to main the mainland uh we went to disney world for the day mm. uh which is uh, again it's a great experience and a lot of fun uh, also it lets you know exactly how much you can endure physically and mentally uh, there at the end <laughs> that was you but getting was ready for that was, was you great. getting ready for camp vacation. like yeah right you don't relax um you know it is it is by no means inexpensive I think it's it's really good. It's a really good experience, and I think the kids loved it and they had a lot of fun. But like when it's over with, you're like, oh, all right, good. You know, let me let me hydrate myself and take a nice tub and try to get my mind right. You know, it's but it, it was good. It was really good. Well, this is a this is a later start date for you, correct? Than uh, than Villanova, is that right? Way later. Like it was funny because when we originally scheduled it, it would have been get off the boat get home, practice. Like Villanova right now is on practice six or seven because they open week zero. The Ivy League, our first game is until September 21st, so we're not in the office oh. until Monday, and we don't practice till, we don't practice until August 24th. Oh, baby. So it is, you know, there, it's, just, it's just, it's ten games, which is fewer games, and it's no bye week, so it's ten, ten weeks straight through. Uh, but it's been great. I mean, it, it you know, it, it would have been an unbelievable grind going from vacation right to the next day right to you know camp and, and and then getting it rolling so it's you know the schedule worked out for us it did now so. my my read on this uh this is solely based on text messages i've received from you it's, it's kind of funny you know i can tell kind of where you are in your work schedule based on like the volume of texts you know like you're you're in season <laughs> like i don't hear from you no for doubt. a while 
Yeah, I might send you a play like, you know, maybe you can get to like during the week to tell me what the coverage was or something. And then but then you have these down periods where, you know, you're you're living like the rest of us and you're, you know, watching some hard knocks and hanging out with the kids. My read with this later start date, I feel like and you can tell me if I'm wrong, would be that maybe the the kids are loving having dad around uh, a little bit more in the summer. But maybe like the wife is like, you know, are you sure you don't want to like go go in the office and maybe watch some film? I, I don't know. Is, is that how it's uh, unfolding in the Flynn household? Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> uncannily accurate for somebody <laughs> who hasn't been here. You know, I, it's funny because the, the times I have going in, like I'm going to go in tomorrow for a little bit. I went in last week for a day or two just on my own, my own to, to, you know, catch up on some stuff. My wife has never disputed it. <laughs> it's never been like, no, you need to stay around here. And you know, it's like, all right, yeah, go ahead. Take your time. Come back whenever or don't. <laughs> yeah. I think that you're spot on there. There you go. Now, obviously we've got our, we've got our eyes on the uh, November 23rd, the uh, season finale at Penn, uh, the mm. Princeton game. We've got, we've got our eye on that for a potential uh, birds of friends uh, tailgate or something like that written on the, the Princeton Tigers. No, there is no. Let there be no doubt that that Princeton is the official football team of uh, of Birds of Friends. What I thought was huge. I, I, I drove my kids to Ohio uh, last week or to uh, a couple days ago, whenever that was. I don't know what today is or where I'm at or what time. Me neither. It. I'm completely. And so I caught play. up. I caught. <laughs> I caught up on the pod uh, with my kids in the car, and and Barry, as only a great host can do, Bo, you you. Shouted out me and Princeton football right before saying you don't care and watch any college football, which I thought was, was both smooth and wise on your part. Okay. Yes, uh, that's the only one I care about. My son was very excited about it. And it, it, you knew there would have been about 40 texts getting fired at you in, in the last week of July, first week about August, where I don't watch any college football or care about it. But that was, again, as usual, well done by you. I got to make, make room for something. I got to have one day off, you know. I can't add a I can't add a college football podcast to as, as a third thing. I gotta you know, we, we gotta calm down one day of the week. Concussion uncle would not take it. Concussion uncle would not take any days off. That's I know that right. for a fact. That is that is <laughs> no absolutely shot. true. Uh, so what? Uh, how are we feeling about the season to come? We this we, we can we can move on after this. But uh, are you excited about about this uh, this new job, this new opportunity? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, we, you know, obviously they were really good last year. I had nothing to do with it. They were 10-0 and 0 and led the country in scoring, all this stuff. I'm sure I rattled through last time I was there. And we actually have uh, four guys right now, four or three from last year's team in NFL camp. So the quarterback from last year is in the Chiefs camp as a tight end. The two receivers, one's with the Browns, one is with the Bears, both as tight ends. So there's actually three tight ends uh, right now. From our team. So, the, long story short, we lose our best players on offense. But we, I think, we have a really good core guys, young guys. Um, you know, they've, they've our off season's been really good since I've been there. I've really, again, they work. They're football guys. Um, you know, real like people I work with. So, I'm excited to get going. I, I, especially again because it's been a little bit longer of an off season for me and a little bit later start date. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely fired up. About it. So in listening to the podcast when you were driving, I know that there were a couple of things that uh, you felt you needed to, to get off your chest. And I know that you haven't talked to Zach in person yet, but uh, take the gloves off and let him know what you think about Eli Manning and Sam Bradford. 
Yeah, first of all, again, I'm, I was behind just because I haven't been commuting. So, like, I was really shocked at first. I'm like, wait a minute, where is Shield? <laughs> again, my son a couple times, is, you know, did Shield get fired? Like, what happened to him? And so then I, like, I figured out, like, he's a national guy and Zach is the new guy on here. I, I think Zach's been great. Uh, you know, I think he's a good, he's a good straight man. Uh, you know, his knowledge of the Eagles is absurd. You know, the fact that the stuff that he, even on yesterday or the day before, never was the stuff that he remembers is, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, my, my, yeah, again, Eli, his, his Sam Bradford take, I thought was particularly ridiculous. Um, you know, just about like how great he throws the ball. And I mean, it's, it's a nice spiral, but if somebody else catches it or nobody on your team catches it, it doesn't matter. You know, I've heard, I've heard how great Sam Bradford's arm is for a year. He's, he's, he's terrible. He's made a lot of money, but he's not good. But and he, did, he was really, he, he, uh, you know, and. Shield knows this. I mean, Shield and I, and I, I, I may forget this, Shield, but we originally met, or, you know, you reached out to me because I used to break down Chip Kelly Oregon games, like, in great detail, like, write articles and do diagrams and all this stuff. Like, there were no bigger, bigger Chip Kelly homer than me, but Zach's, like, a whole nother level. You know, like, he's willing to, to you know, uh, he did just to this day, like, he won't, you know, uh, he won 20 games, he won 20 games. He also refused to change, got rid of the best players. You know, but again, I'm not going to agree with everybody. I think Zach's been awesome. I just, I, it took me a while to figure out like what happened. Is Shield, is Shield not going to be on anymore? Is my drawing empire over? You know, I, I got kids that are going to college here five, six years. I can't lose these drawings. So I was, I was a little bit uh, concerned at first, but I, I do, I do like the transition. Yeah, that was funny a few days ago when Coach Flynn texted us and was like, "What, what's going on here? You know, what, what happened?" Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I, you know, I, I'll admit, you know, when uh, we brought on Zach and uh, you know the the birds with friends, it's a it's a different type of podcast. You kind of have to uh, go with it. It's not going to be all football all the time. You have to, you know, be willing to um, be mocked a little bit and let your personality show. And uh, Zach has done just. Uh, an outstanding job. Like I've had, you know, you know, friends who have never met him uh, texted me being like, wow, you know, I'm really warming up to him. He's doing a great job. And so, you know, as, as the guy who's, you know, I'm not being replaced. Yeah. Does but that, how does that make you feel? Shield? Well, yeah. So that was, you know, I'm not, I'm not covering training camp. So once the season starts, I'm going to be obviously be on more, but I'm not at training camp. You guys are doing daily pods. So on one hand, oh, you know, it's like, it's great for the show. Uh, you know, he's doing a great job. But then on the other hand, it's like, man, I'm being easily replaced, but I feel like the last few episodes, I mean, I don't want to go on my tirades now because I want to do this when Zach is here so we can go at it. But just like, a, so you know, go at it. his, his water ice over ice cream, take his Bradford, take his, chip, oh, his oh. Eli take this Josh sweat comparison about his seal. <laughs> uh, I mean, there are so many things I want to talk about, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't want to just unload now. And then he's got to <laughs> respond to the next one. So, but I think we should pick a, uh, you know, I don't know if it's like the maybe early next week or something. We have to pick a day where, you know, minimal talk about like what's happening right now with the Eagles. And we just need to uh, kind of go at it. Just rehash on, a few things on a lot of these topics. You know, I had a, a friend in college, uh, shout out to Joanna Rose Armandi, who uh, anytime, <laughs> anytime like there was a, a celebrity in trouble, like in the news or, you know, celebrities acting badly and everyone's ripping them. She would take the like side of, 
she would basically she was called the celebrity defender where she would just be like, no, you know, it's not that bad. They'd, I feel like Zach is just like that with everybody, which is a, a nice corner to have, but very against my personality, I must say. What was that? What was that? Uh, well, he, and I'll tell you what, the thing I enjoyed. No, go the ahead. Thing I enjoyed is he, he continually too is like, look, I hate to go on a tangent here. I'm like, man, <laughs> if, if I was allowed to go on tangents, I'd be on for four minutes. Yeah, I wouldn't have <laughs> like a show. Yeah. yeah, exactly. No one, no one's listening <laughs> for the non-tangents for the cosines. Uh, so you have, you have had, uh, you have had a good long summer coach, but, uh, as you have told us, there was one particular highlight this summer. You had a, uh, a celebrity sighting and you, you have told us that you are saving the story for the pod. So I am, uh, we are both, I think on, uh, on tender hooks, I guess. That's not the right, is that where, it, who, who cares? Tell us the story. So we were. This was the day before NBA free agency. Uh, we were. We had just finished a camp at Princeton, uh, junior, uh, high school kid camp, prospect camp, and I was walking out of the building uh, with our offensive quality control coach Ryan Bartell, uh, who just left to go to Lafayette to be the tight ends coach. That's my only shout out, Sheila. I just got that out of the way. But he was like my Philly sports guy in the office. Like you know what I mean? We text about Gabe Kapler. Uh, you know, he's a diehard Eagles guy. So Barty and I are walking out of the door and Barty says to me, I got to grab something out of the coach's locker room. So he, he leaves and veers left, which now this is the biggest regret of life. Cause about <laughs> 10 steps later, there's a guy walking towards me, you know, white hair. He's got like a summer beard going on golf shirt jeans. He's dressed like an NFL coach at the combine. Uh, and he's got earbuds in and I look, I'm like, that's Brett Brown. It's Brett Brown. Oh my God, it's Brett Brown. Now, one of the things I try to avoid in my life is like fanboying out or being creepy, but this was unavoidable. So I tried to play it cool at first. I'm like, hey, Coach Brown, great to see you, man. And I keep walking. Like, all right, I'm not going to stop the guy and take a selfie. Well, he turns around and says, hey, Coach, uh, let me ask you a question. And I was like, this is like me and Joe Green with the jersey in the Coke commercial. <laughs> you know, I turn around, I'm like, all, all giddy. He's like, Coach, is, is basketball camp in here? I said, yeah. I said, listen, Coach, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to waste your time, but I'm a huge fan. I love what you've done with the team. Uh, you know, I probably said 50 words more than I wanted to. Shook his hands. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I'm like, hey, big night tomorrow. You know, free agency was midnight. Yeah, you know, we're looking forward to it. We're really excited. Uh, you know, apparently he had a relative, I don't know if it was his son, at basketball camp, which was going on at the same time. Super nice, you know. Coach, thanks again. Great meeting you. Good luck. I immediately go to my phone. Our head coach, Bob Serace, is a, a, a diehard Sixers fan. And I, I just, in all caps, I just met Bright Brown. I hit send. My phone immediately rings. <laughs> it's Bob. He's like, where? Where? I'm like, right, right from the statue of Bill Bradley in front of Jadwin Jim. So apparently he goes tearing down. Uh, our head coach meets him. Our running back coach meets him. Uh, you know, our head guy is, is like I said, diehard Sixers fan. He's always got like 50 different trade scenarios. You know, so he called as I'm driving home, he calls me, I met him, I met him. I said, he didn't tell him like trade and beat her. So no, 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 no. So it was, yeah, I was, that's really the only other time I did that. I met Lynn Swan once mm. uh, when I was a GA at Maryland. I was coming out of the tunnel to halftime and he came up to me. He thought I was like a, I was a GA. He thought I was like the coordinator or something. He had his microphone and I immediately stuck my hand. I was like, Mr. Swan, big fan. Uh, and then ran away. He was like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> so, but that was, yeah, that was, I mean, if, if for nothing else, switching jobs, uh, to me, Brett Brown was worth it. There you go. How, now how thick uh, was the accent? Yeah, it's legit. Yeah, he's, that's not made up. 
No, he was. Yeah, he. <laughs> I was very. Yeah, I was very excited. It, it was like I, I said, and he did say he did tell us that they were going to spend big money in free agency. So we had that. Oh, we had a little nugget. Going well, I like that. Yeah. He yeah. left, left you feeling like an insider. We didn't. I didn't break. I didn't break it until after. <laughs> did. You know what? That's like a sports. That's like a 2019 sports writer thing. <laughs> News happen. I don't know if you've know. This is another thing that really irks me. I feel like you know my negativity is really a nice counterbalance to the uh, pods and previous days. But yeah, this is a this is a sports writer thing that drives me nuts. And the NBA, uh, you know, the NBA reporters are. Well, I guess the NFL people do it too. News breaks, and then they'll tweet about, or they'll talk on a podcast about how they they knew it all along, or they'll tell you some story about how they found that. You know, they they heard about that days ago. Well, you know what your job is. Your job is when you get information is to report the information. My God, drives me nuts. But anyway, so you you did the uh, you did the 2019 reporter version of that. The other part I like about the story. Whenever you send the text and the call comes back, like you know the person's itching. Oh yeah, like, I like you that. know, yeah, that's like uh, that's like emergency code red. Now you also we had, had we had ahead. another brief one too. We had we had you know Jason Garrett, head coach of the Cowboys, as a Princeton guy. Our our head coach Bob Sarace was his center here, so they're close. Oh. Jason Garrett does a camp here at Princeton, so I worked the camp and brought my son. And the whole ride from here to Princeton was, listen, man, when you meet this guy, you look him in the eye, you shake his hand, you don't tell him about the Cowboys stink, you don't tell him <laughs> how much you like the Eagles. You know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to prevent like an international incident. Clapping his face, clapping his face. So we have a coaches meeting. <laughs> so we have a coaches meeting. You know, it's a seven on seven. It's a great setup. It's, it was, it was, it was a great deal. But so we're on the field. And I'm running a drill, and I look over, and my son is standing right next to Jason Garrett. I'm like, oh, boy. And I'm like 40 yards away, right? I'm like, and he is like arms crossed, scowl on his face, like breathing through his nose. I'm like, well, if it's going to happen, I can't do anything about it. The like, only, only shot I would have is like throw the ball, throw the ball and hit him with it, you know, from how far away I was. <laughs> so, like, five minutes later, we have a water break. I said, what happened? Nothing. I said, do you say hello? Yes. Do you say hello back? Yeah. Anything else? No. I, 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 that was enough. So, all right. So, at least we didn't kick him in the shins or, or <laughs> tell him you better sign Zeke Elliott or your season's over or any nonsense like that. So, we, we, we dodged a bullet on that one. That's a nice job out of him. I feel like that warrants maybe a little Wawa stop or something on the way home, the fact that he uh, held back like that. Yeah, it was. Uh, I don't think his mother would have been able to do the same, but I was very <laughs> proud of him. <laughs> I like that. Uh, now, uh, before we get to some uh, some other actual football stuff that I know that Shield wants to get into, uh, we, we got to get your also your uh, your Phillies takes because I know this is this is the other thing that uh, that we get uh, the, the scribes on on the uh, on the text chain, screeds, not scribes. Yeah, I just you know, it happened again last night. Like we just don't hit with runners in scoring position, and the pitching is what it is. But your bases loaded, your two best hitters are up, and they swing and miss. And, you know, again, I don't think Gabe is a bad guy. He's not really my kind of guy. Like the whole, I don't eat ice cream. I lick it and then I spit it out. You know, I mean, like that's, and he, I don't think he, and along that same vein, like the, the way he deals with the press, he's not endearing himself to anybody. You know, whether or not you're hard on your guys behind closed doors, like he just, you know, Andy Reid always thought that a good job. He never, he never threw anybody under the bus. You know, I got to do better. That's on me. 
and Gabe does that, but he goes way, you know, when they're horrendous, he's still like, you know, they lost that game the other night, you know, when Roman Quinn had the pitch. You know, I loved how we fought. Like, you lost to the worst team in baseball. Like, it, it, you know, you just, I don't think he's got a great sense. I think he does some crazy things, which with the people around here blame on analytics. You know, meanwhile, I've seen Bryce Harper hit into the shift 25, 30 times this year. You know, that's analytics, too. Nobody brings that up. Uh, but whenever they don't bunt, it's all oh, it's analytics. They don't, they don't bunt. I just, I, you would like to see more offense with all the money they paid for it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Sheila, I, I know you want your uh, your Phillies takes, right? You know, I have paid probably, this might be what you were talking about before with college football. I, I feel like I've paid less attention to this Philly season uh, than I have in a very long time. For a while, I was listening to... Uh, Everybody hits regularly, at least. And, you know, now I'll admit even that has, uh, mm, has stopped. Yeah. So you were the, uh, one. The, the team has not uh, has not captured my attention in any way. It, it's, it feels like it's sort of the worst type of team where you uh, make these big moves in the offseason and then you uh, underachieve. And there's, uh, you know, not not a lot to kind of cheer about. So uh, I don't know. I think uh, I'm kind of just thinking it's going to be an interesting offseason. But, yeah, that that is my Philly take. Yeah, I think I think Vince Velasquez, the outfielder, was probably the highlight of the season from a, from a watchability standpoint. Uh, all right, Sheila, let's I'll give it over to you now, because I know you got some national football writer uh, things that you need some advice from uh, Coach Flynn on some things explained to you. So uh, so take it away. Yeah, I just have uh, have two football-related topics I want to get to. And one of them, uh, we might have asked you this before. I don't know. But when I was brainstorming uh, questions for this podcast, it came to me. And it's, uh, you know, as an offensive coach, I'm wondering which types of defensive schemes or coverages do you most dislike going against? And I know, uh, you know, a lot of it is obviously players and that kind of thing, but let's say the players are equal and you sit down to, to game plan. And what's the, what's the one or two things you look at and you say, Oh, you know, Oh man, this is going to be kind of annoying or this is going to be tough or a challenge this week. Yeah. The two, I think that, that come to mind are when an offensive coach draws up a defense, it's always a four down front. You know, it's it's four line, it's four down defensive linemen, two linebackers in a box, somebody out of the box with an alley player, and then fit the coverages from there. So the, the number one thing, not number one, but if you're an old line guy, like they always that the week it's an odd front team or a three down team, you know they always freak out because it's oh there's no three technique, you know the guards are uncovered. Uh, you know I think I I I got a little bit I got out of that a little bit just because. You know, when I was at Villanova there, we were an odd stack defense and it was odd front every day. And you kind of figure out, you know, everybody's got to go to a gap and three down becomes four down, either with movement or pressure. But that's always like for pass protections, you know, for the quarterback being able to point and make sure the blitzes are picked up. Like that's always an issue is if it's an odd front or a three down front, you know, the, the old Dom Capers zone blitz stuff from, from back in the day. And then the other one, uh, it, it, it's people's answer to the spread. It's the one that gets more in the, in the heads of the quarterback guys or the the receiver guys is when teams play, you know, man free with a, with a bear defense where they cover everybody, you know, the old buddy Ryan defense, uh, which was, you know, super popular before the spread because you didn't have as many eligible receivers and you could play your best man coverage guys and everybody else could be a box guy or a run player. But then when teams, you know, again, started to spread you out a little bit, but it's still an issue because you have no double teams up front. You know, when teams line up in a bear, everybody's got a single block, everybody. 
And then and you, you got to win against man coverage. You know, again, why I think having the Sean Jackson back is going to be a huge help for the Eagles is because you have a guy that can just run by somebody and take the top off. You know, what defenses do, they'll play man until they give up a huge chunk play or a touchdown. And then the answer always is, all right, get your behind back. You know, we're going to play cover three. We're going to play quarters. We're going to play cover two. We're going to do something different. So I think those two really, I think, again, an odd front when you're, when you're so used to going against four down or even front all the time. And then, you know, when teams will jump into the bear to pressure you, you know, to try to get the ball out. You know, with all the RPO stuff, I mean, you saw it when the Eagles went to the Super Bowl. You know, a lot of teams' answer was man uh, to take away uncovered guys. And the Eagles did some good stuff adjusting by having, you know, inside pick routes between two receivers and did some of that stuff. But those are really the, the first two that come to mind. Yeah, I am very interested to see how teams will defend the Eagles this year, given sort of their different personnel in my in my piece on the Athletic Philadelphia, which you can read. One of the notes from the Football Outsiders Almanac was that the Eagles were, I think, one of four offenses that had uh, fewer than 10 percent of their runs against like eight man boxes. And I thought if that was the number last year and now you're adding uh, Deshaun Jackson, it you know, there really should be a lot of advantageous run looks for this offense and, you know, not, not necessarily by default, but the circumstances for uh, an improved run game compared to last year, uh, you know, they, they really are there. Okay. And then the, the last thing, well, quickly, I want to, I want to do, yeah. I want to just go to the Eagles since I know we're moving on from the Eagles. I thought you had signed off. Yeah, I, I well, I, I had thought about it, but this is Twitter, one thing that you know, I can big, actually contribute uh, to college football coach. And okay. All right. You're still with us. And the Wendell thing, I, or, or the, <laughs> the, the, the small box I remember was a thing with, uh, with Wendell Smallwood last year. Like remember he had seen, the most percentage of his runs against uh, against light boxes, but anyway, on the on the Eagles receivers, I want to know as a, as a receivers coach. Now, listen, you you put the pressure on me to make sure that Alshon Jeffrey was the all two thousands Eagles receiver over Jeremy Macklin, even though Macklin had better numbers. And I, I capitulated. You're an Alshon guy. I gave that to you. Tell me, like, if you could coach, what's your favorite type of receiver? A Deshaun. Or an Alshon, like you want, you want the guy who can take the top off, or you want the the guy who can make the contested catches. Mm. Yeah, I think you've got to have both. You know, you're going to be. I think you need to have really one of each. You know, because there's going to be times when you don't create separation that you're going to have plays that need to be made, whether it's a third down or the red zone. You know, like Alshon did in, in the playoffs when they when they won the Super Bowl. Um, and you're also you're going to need the speed guy put the fear of God into the defense. You know, what we say in our room all the time is, you know, corners, they don't have the nightmare about falling off the cliff. They don't have the nightmare about getting eaten by a shark. Like they wake, wake up in the middle of the night, you know, terrified that they just got gave up a touchdown. You know, like that's what they're afraid of in life. So there's gotta be a guy in your room somewhere. You can see, look at, look at what the chiefs are doing. You know, the chiefs have been over backwards, no matter what Tyreek Hill has done off the field to keep them around. Why? You know, like they have the best quarterback in football. They got his other weapons because he's the speed guy. Everybody's everybody's so afraid to not have that guy in your offense uh, because it you know it allows defenses to be more aggressive and play more man and not have help over the top. But I also th- I think you you also need a guy who when when there's not that space, you know, when it's third and six, when it's fourth and goal, or, you know, third and fourth and goal from the eight, that's got to go up over a guy and make the play. You know, again, that's what you're. Same the other day about our second white side, you know, we have to see if he can do it in the pros. But that's, you, I think you need, a, you need a slot guy who is a juice guy. You need a speed guy as your X and your Z, you know, your guy through the field most of the time. It's got to be, 
you know, your play action guy, your guy that can win 50 fifties, you know, obviously you want them all to be big, strong and fast, but I think you need a, a couple different types, you know, cause you're going to come across all those situations. Yeah. But who is, who is the most fun for you to watch work? In terms of, out of all of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I like I, the thing I like, the thing I like about Alshon is, and I hate the word swagger because it's so overused and I overuse it as much as anybody else. Swagger and elite. Everybody says those words about everything. Oh, this lemonade was elite. Okay, whatever. That's how I talk about <laughs> but, you. But, elite swagger. You know, I just think <laughs> he just brings, Alshon brings a confidence, you know, you, you, if he's going to make a play, you know, he juices you up. I, I grew up as a Cleveland Indians fan. And, you know, Albert Bell is one of the, the least liked players in the history of baseball. But when I followed them, Albert Bell was like that guy for the Indians, where they were awful for 50 years or 30 years. And then all of a sudden, like, this guy who was a jerk was hitting home runs and running people over and saying, like, it's not like that anymore. You know, and I, I, again, I don't think it's the same thing. But what I like about Austin is, you know, if they're not playing well or, if they, you know, they, they go out to the Rams last year, he makes three or four huge plays. You know, does the pat that point at the ground and, and talking to somebody in the air, or you know, it, it just gets you going. So I, I, I like I like those guys, but I think you have to have. I think one of the getting back to Chip Kelly, him getting rid of Deshaun Jackson, having no one that could do that same role in the offense, you know, was a was a huge mistake. Bo, I'm not telling you how to do your job, but I would read an Alshon Jeffrey Albert Bell story from you. <laughs> yeah, saying, I want he, Alshon Jeffrey to start clothesline in second baseman. Yeah, he's he's been on the team a few years. You need sort of a Fernando uh, Vina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can get some people Fernando on the phone Vina about that. <laughs> Fernando uh, Vina, uh, when I have I have a Fernando Vina story. When my my uh, my brother and I were growing up, we went to a like a there was like a before a game there was. You take, like, uh, grounders in the outfield with the players. And Fernando Vina was the one hitting my brother and me ground balls. But uh, my dad got very mad at me afterwards because I was, like, stealing the ground balls from my brother. I was, like, trying to make an aggressive play. And so my brother was, like, getting no ground balls from Fernando Vina. It was really a bad job by the older brother. What a jerk. (laughs) I was trying to show off. I thought it was my chance to make the bigs. Yeah, little, little did you know that you would be later leading the county in innings pitched if you would have known. I loved how, like, you know, uh, there was a moment uh, where, you know, Zach had to remind the audience about your baseball career. I mean, that, uh, <laughs> you know, we can differ on a lot of things, but that's, like, non-negotiable. That cannot happen again, uh, Z-Berm. We got to take that out of the repertoire. All right, the last football thing I wanted to uh, get to here, and this is because we are talking about the NFC West Today yeah, and I great, think uh, this is great uh, the, planning content-wise by us. Yeah, outstanding job. This this is not a coincidence at all. This is exactly <laughs> how uh, we plan to do it. But uh, the Arizona Cardinals, you know, I'm, I'm doing all my spreadsheets and preseason prep and all this, and you know, I don't expect them to be good, but I think they are one of the more interesting teams just because. You know, this happened when Chip Kelly entered the NFL. It's like no NFL writer knows how to write about the guy and they're getting all this stuff wrong about how, uh, you know, what he's going to bring to the league and that kind of thing. And so uh, the Cardinals are being very sort of um, secretive, I guess, about what their 
plans are, and I think they're not going to show much in the preseason and all those different types of things. But, uh, Coach, we hear, all right, the Cliff Kingsbury is going to bring the air raid to the NFL. They're going to also build around some of the concepts that Kyler Murray used at Oklahoma. You know, there's the, been speculation. What does that mean? They're going to run a ton of 10 personnel. Are they going to use uh, a lot of tempo? I think um, those Texas Tech teams, I think we're up there in sort of, sort of plays uh, per game that kind of thing. Are they going to be throwing the ball a higher percentage than a lot of the teams in the NFL? I mean, uh, you looking at it from afar, just when you hear, all right, air raid comes to the NFL or Kingsbury with Kyler Murray, like any thoughts about what this might look like when the regular season starts? Yeah, I think always, at least they are marrying their quarterback with their offensive philosophy, you know, where it's, you know, I watched every game Kyler Murray played last year. You know, I think I, I thought he was great. You know, again, I, I felt the same way about Baker Mayfield the year before. Uh, you know, I think scheme-wise, it'll be obviously similar to Oklahoma, uh, given Cliff Kingsbury's background. You know, I, I know a couple guys who have worked with him. Uh, a friend of mine played with him in NFL Europe, probably, I don't know, had to be at least 10 years ago, if not longer, probably 15. Um, and everybody says, you know, really two things where, you know, he, does, he doesn't appear to be a grinder. You look at him, you're like, you know, this dude's got the tight joggers on and his hair is never out of place. But the people that have worked with him, you know, are like, he, he basically runs the offense. You know, like everybody else kind of hangs around while he's breaking the film down. He's in there early in the morning and then he says, all right, this is what we're doing. You know, so I, I don't I don't know how good that team is. I don't know their roster. You know, people say air raid, air raid, like it's this playbook that you just hand to the guys and say, right, we're going to run the air raid. You know, it's I mean, everybody has their own version of it. I think it'll be, you know, similar to what they did at Texas Tech. But honestly, that's not that much different than what the Chiefs are doing or, or, or what the Eagles did, you know, and are still doing right now. You know, I mean, we've heard this before. When Chip, Ke- Chip Kelly's failing, I don't think, I, we, and I don't, I, we said his name too much, but, you know, it wasn't the no huddle and the shock on the tempo can't work. It's just that you can't do that never, and then make no adjustments and run four pass plays all year, you know, the same four over and over. Like, that, that's... But this style of offense has worked, and it's it's won the championship. And you know, you forget the 49ers ran pistol read and almost won the Super Bowl with Kaepernick. So, you know, I I don't know how they're going to do. I don't know how good their players are, but at least it shows we're taking this quarterback this high, and we're going to bring someone in who runs what he's comfortable with, who's had success with these guys, you know, who's who's coached a Heisman Trophy winner. Who I mean, at least there's that. You know, well, we're going to bring him in and get him under center and teach him. Well, I don't know if we could teach this kid. It's just at least there's a there appears to be a plan. Now, whether that's going to work or not, I don't know. But I, I do like Kyler Murray, man. I think he he, he throws his, his mechanics are really good. You know, I think he just always seems to find the right platform uh, to you know he gets the ball up no matter where he's at, whether he's in the pocket or moving around. I, I I'm excited to see him. I hope he does well. Yeah, it's almost like a novel concept like you said you know adjusting the scheme to kind of make this guy's transition be a little smoother mike sando did his uh qb tears which everyone should read uh on the athletic and uh, bo will appreciate this I, I didn't realize it was about russell wilson but it is so it's on uh on brand for me but he had one anonymous uh let's see who was this 
it was an offensive coach uh, saying, I remember seeing Wilson coming out of college and thinking, man, this guy isn't going to be able to drop back from under center. I was a young coach not realizing, hey, dumbass, you get to construct construct your offense around your players' trends. And uh, I don't know. It's just funny. It's like that seems very, uh, should be very obvious and uh, intuitive, but uh, it isn't for, for some of these guys. And so at least I guess that's part of the uh, encouraging thing is that they're doing that. What they should do is just roll a seven-man sled out there and then let <laughs> Kyler Murray get under center in front of it. I think that's going to get him going in the league. I like that. I like that. Cliff Kingsbury is still not as attractive as he's uh, built, built to be. Just want to get that on the record one more time. Okay. Yeah, me neither. So I, I, I can really... <laughs> Uh, all right, coach. Well, you have been, uh, co- coach that coach that was good. Next time, you don't even need to don't br- let Bo break the silence. We were on the same page there for about three seconds. I was very proud of you. I said we got this. Uh, it is a little bit awkward at first. I understand it. You know the the social norms and all that. You're supposed to respond uh, next time. Just. Stay with it. And, um, you know, if that means eight minutes of silence before Bo <laughs> closes out the segment, that, that's what it means. But it, it's really in the best interest of everybody. Yeah, whatever happens, it'll be podcast gold. So I'll, I'm with you. We'll do. Well, Coach, you've been, uh, you've been very generous with your time. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be, uh, we'll be paying attention. We'll be rooting for, uh, for the Princeton Tigers. Listen, Birds with Friends is a big Princeton uh, fan contingent. Don't get it. Don't get it twisted. So uh, this goes both ways. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Again, guys, I, great talk to you. Look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Well, uh, thanks again to Coach Flynn for taking so much time. Now let's get to our uh, around the horn bills. Sheila, are you are you ready? We're going to do the NFC West teams who the Eagles do not play today. So the Cardinals, the 49ers, and your Los Angeles Rams. Sure, let's do it. Let's start with the Cardinals, since uh, since that's where we ended with Coach Flynn. Uh, aside from the moderately attractive new head coach and uh, Kyler Murray, they uh, brought in, let's see here, Michael Crabtree, Andre Branch, drafted uh, a bunch of receivers, Hakeem Butler, Andy Isabella, and Keyshawn Johnson. Sounds like Keyshawn Johnson's getting a little bit of buzz. Max Williams, Byron Murphy, Zach Allen, File on the pylon, our, uh, our old friend Jordan Hicks, Terrell Suggs, Charles Clay, Brooks Reed. They brought in a lot of guys. It sounds like, I mean, they were the worst team in football last year, so I guess they had uh, some talent to bring in. Uh, obviously gone is Josh Rosen, Marcus Golden, my guy J.J. Nelson, Dion Buchanan, Mike Opati. Uh, last year they were the worst team in football, uh, 32nd in DVOA, 32nd in offensive, and they've been really bad on offense for the last three years running, so I guess it makes sense that they try something new. Their defense had been very good before last year. They were fourth in DVOA in 2017, third in 2016. Uh, Last year they were pretty injured, 23rd in adjusted games lost. Their schedule is fairly tough this year. Uh, One possible reason for a bounce back, because their defense was so bad, they were 28th in takeaway, so maybe they get a bump there. But uh, Vegas isn't buying it. They are uh, five wins is their over-under with the odds tilted a little bit towards the over. Sheila, you're the national guy. Tell us about the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. 
Well, I think we covered the most interesting thing about them, which is you're not quite sure what this offense is going to uh, look like with Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Like, uh, you know, I could envision a scenario where the first month of the season they're, you know, doing really well and surprising teams, almost like the beginning of the uh, Chip Kelly era a little bit. So uh, I think that's what's fascinating about it. Uh, David Johnson was not good last year. I think, you know, now he's another year removed from that injury with a, a coach who would probably know how to use him a little bit better. So you've got him, you know, Christian Kirk should see a lot of targets. I don't know that those young receivers, uh, none of us liked Isabella, right? Me, you and Ted Wynn were all anti-Isabella. If I, I was definitely uh, anti-Isabella. Yeah, I think Ted, I think when we had Ted on, uh, he was anti-Isabella and it made but, us but Ted very was, happy. But very high on, on uh, Hakeem Butler. Which I, and I haven't seen a lot of buzz with Hakeem Butler. No, uh, Keyshawn Johnson is, uh, is the guy who's right. getting the buzz, who I liked, and uh, also uh, DeFop Fran Duffy was a big fan of. Okay, so we'll see who they, you know, they still obviously have uh, Larry Fitzgerald, but I don't know. We'll see what they do on offense. Their offensive line isn't very good, but I think if you look at some of, like, uh, you know, Kingsbury's uh, Texas Tech teams, like their offensive lines weren't great, but, you know, it's a lot of catch the ball and get rid of the ball uh, at times. And so you can make up for some of those shortcomings. So I think they could be interesting. They're not irrelevant. You know, they're going through like my preview stuff. I think they're, they're interesting. I think they're, yeah. I could talk myself into like a, like an eight win season for this Cardinals team. Eight. Okay. All right. That, you know, and it also could go the other way, right? It could be a of complete course. disaster um, because some of these innovations as, as coach Flynn mentioned may not be as new and as innovative as people think. And so and, def- and Kingsbury's track record as a head coach is not very good. Correct. So um, that part is interesting. Defensively, they have some interesting players like, you know, Chandler Jones and uh, Terrell Suggs as your edge rushers. That That's pretty good. Uh, it could be worse. So you've got that. Um, you know, you mentioned they signed Jordan Hicks. Buda Baker is a guy I liked coming out of college at safety. But uh, Patrick Peterson, I can't remember if you just mentioned this or not. He's got that six game suspension. Oh, I to- forgot about that to start the season. So, you know, that's like huge. You're taking away, you know, they're obviously their best cornerback, one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL for six games. And so I think that's really going to hurt them uh, defensively. So, you know, I don't see, uh, again, I don't see a a team competing for a playoff berth. Uh, One other note on their offense, they used 13 different starters on their offensive line last year, which was the most of any team going back to 1999. So, you know, you, you would figure uh, they would get a little better injury luck on the offensive line should help them. But, uh, yeah, I think that the key to this year is, hey, is the offense interesting? Uh, does it do some things? Are there glimpses of what could be ahead with uh, Kyler Murray and Kingsbury and kind of nothing else uh, really matters with this team, I would say, in 2019? Do you expect to make a trip out to uh, Phoenix as a national football writer to cover this team? I, I mean, it, it's weird because, like, nobody cares in that. Like, nobody cares about the Cardinals. Um, tell but it, this, tell I, it to my sister-in-law. Okay. She's a big Cardinals fan? Shout out to Abby. No, she's from Phoenix, but I don't think oh. she really cares about that. I well, I didn't rip, really cares about the Cardinals. I didn't rip Phoenix, Addie. Okay. You know, I'm Abby, just, Abby. Oh, yeah. Abby. <laughs> I was just talking about the, uh, the Cardinals. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess if they um, – tear it up there could be interest from somebody but i don't know okay fair enough yeah. i think they're an interesting i don't plan on leaving this space yeah you're not going to leave the basement at all no this is great i get this extra monitor now i have two monitors i got this uh 
standing desk so I can leave my office if I want to go over where like the, the bigger TV is. Uh, the standing uh, desk, one of the greatest scams of, of our era. It's actually adjustable. So I, I hate the standing desk. Well, I want, I want the option. I don't want to be sitting for like, you know, 11 hours on a Sunday. I might want to stand. That's weak. You don't want to stand? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, well, as I told you once, a doctor told me I was turning into a chair. Oh, that's and, right. uh, you know, that combined, uh, you know, with my dad's comments on Father's Day, <laughs> I'm trying to make some life changes here. You don't, think, uh, you don't think Phylon the Pylon moves the needle enough to get this team into the playoffs? No, I don't think so. Okay. Uh, all right, let's move on to the, uh, the Niners then. The, uh, I think the, Boy. The, the official concussion uncle team uh, this year run by a concussion uncle, and you can tell uh, that's the case when they pour all their resources into running backs, tight ends, and linebackers. Uh, and they also draft a, like a 30-year-old punter in the fourth round. Uh, the Niners, these are the guys they brought in. Niles Paul, Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa, Nick Magabosa, uh, Robbie Gould, Le your boy Levine Toilolo, Jordan Matthews, Logan Verrett, Quan Alexander, as we said, uh, Tevin Coleman, Dee Ford, they added both Miles Austin and Wes Welker to their coaching staff, so that's a, that's a lot of firepower. They we didn't saw really... Miles Austin at that uh, restaurant at the Combine, right? Oh, yeah, I guess we did. That great spot. What was that called? I don't I don't. Oh, uh, the, I forget. Breakfast the the breakfast place. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's in the Carson Wentz story if you want to go. go if Only place I'm eating. Really, yeah. really want to find out where it is. They didn't lose a lot of guys. Uh, let's see their ratings from last year. They were 27th on offense. So even though they lose Jimmy G, Kyle Shanahan can't necessarily uh, wave a magic wand. Uh, they were 23rd on defensive DVOA, and they've been bad for the last three years on defense. They have a middle-of-the-road schedule this year. They were, they were one of the most injured teams last year, the fourth most injured team, according to Football Outsiders, and they were last in the league in defensive takeaways. So you can sell yourself on some, on some uh, positive regression here coming from the Niners. Um, but for me, a team that is just run so poorly from the top down, it's hard to really have a lot of faith in their over under win total is eight in Vegas with the odds tilted a little bit towards the over. Yeah, I'm a little, I can't get a handle on whether I want to pick this to be, pick them to be a team that's really going to improve, uh, or not this year. I mean, you mentioned some of the historical indicators. They were very injured last year. They were uh, 32nd in turnover margin. So if some of those things come back to the uh, the middle a little bit, that would certainly lead to improvement. Uh, I actually, given all the dumb things they've done from a roster building standpoint, if you look at the overall roster, I actually don't hate the roster. Um, you know, I, I think defensively they should be able to rush the passer with uh, Bosa, D. Ford, and DeForest Buckner. Uh, your boy Richard Sherman. Actually played really well last year. D Ford, if you look D at Ford all, is going to be a bust this year. Okay, just, if you look at all, know. all of the uh, a lot of the defensive uh, statistics, uh, Richard Sherman actually played pretty well last year. The rest of their secondary is not great. Uh, the offensive numbers are not fantastic. However, uh, they were sixth best at producing explosive plays in the passing game, which I thought was somewhat impressive, uh, given the talent at their disposal you know i like debo samuel uh coming out of the draft uh tevin coleman you think if the eagles had a redo about how they could do their uh 
running back moves this offseason, they would have just signed Tevin Coleman and uh, drafted Miles Sanders? I don't know. Why? I don't know. Um, maybe. You hated Tevin really Coleman. Matter. I forgot. I didn't, okay. I didn't hate Tevin Coleman, but I don't, I don't okay. think that he was some, uh, some panacea. Okay. It seems like it could have been a simpler outcome for them. I suppose. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a little bit, uh, I'm a little bit split on how I think they're going to do. I mean, it, it, I think there's a chance that they are sort of like the bears of last year, I guess you could say, you know, I think they could be, uh, a competitive team that competes for their division or makes the playoffs. And, uh, I think there's a chance that, you know, John Lynch is fired after the season and they're not very good. Yeah, so uh, I think, I think they're kind of like a high variance, uh, High variance team. An for important sure. roster decision for the Eagles is whether the Niners keep Jordan Matthews or not. That will affect their comp pick formula. Okay, so what happens if they don't keep him? If they don't keep him, then the Eagles lose a pick. And so if, if they don't keep Jordan Matthews and the Eagles keep both Sendejo and Fort, I think they're ending up with, with uh, maybe just like one fifth or something like that. Moucheroo! <laughs> okay. How, how long have you been working on that one? I was like me. I was kind of like yawning, and so you know, I needed to like uh, like yell or something, and it you know it was kind of my I don't know if it was my turn to talk, but um, it it felt like the right thing to do there. They also have a red guard named Mike Person. I love a guy with I love a person with the last name Person. Mm, your, who, who's your favorite, Robert Person or Chuck Person? Uh, Joe Person. Oh, not the right. Should we start calling him the Rifleman? <laughs> if you want, maybe. I think you should just uh, address him as that at uh, next time you see him without any explanation. I, well, I like the, uh, the best part of that is the no explanation for sure. Uh, okay, let's get to your team, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, and your boy Sean McVay, the pretty boy who, uh, who has stolen your heart, coming off obviously a Super Bowl loss in which they embarrassed themselves in front of uh, the entire world. They lost... Dominican Sue, C.J. Anderson, Mark Barron, Roger Saffold, LaMarcus Joyner, Zach Taylor is gone, Blake Countess is gone. How will they recover? They brought in uh, Clay Matthews, Eric Weddle, Blake Bortles. They drafted Daryl Henderson. They were over-under as 10.5. Uh, the odds are tilted a little bit towards the under. Last year, they had the best fumble recovery rate in the league, so maybe there's some regression there. But, uh, I mean, they were good on offense. They were the number two offensive DVOA last year, sixth the year before, and 32nd the year before that. So that's why uh, your boy gets so much shine. Their defense was not as good last year as it has been uh, under Wade Phillips. They were 17th in defensive DVOA last year, and they were very healthy. They were a top five uh, healthy team, so maybe there's some regression there. They were also third in the league in takeaways. So there's reason to believe that uh, this team could be, could be due for a bit of regression. How do you feel about the spiky hairs? I think that's right. They've actually been top five in adjusted games lost. And, you know, in other words, they've been among the least injured teams two years in a row. Uh, I think it's just them. And I forget who the other team is off the top of my head. But there's only been two teams who have been top five in that. And they had no uh, first or second round picks this year. It feels like it feels like the it's it sort of built on uh, paper mache this this foundation a little bit. Well, you have to pick someone in that division, right? And so uh, I don't know if that means you're going with your Seahawks again. Uh, or well, that's the thing. I don't think... like any of these teams. Right. And so w- we know the most important thing is to 
be able to pass the ball efficiently and score points, and they are able to do that. They've averaged over 31 points per game uh, the last two seasons. They've had 24 regular season wins over the last two seasons. Now, they do have two new faces on the offensive line, so that's something to uh, keep an eye on. For sure, I don't know that if Todd Gurley's injured, I don't know that it's that huge a, a deal. Um, I think one of the stats that the Football Outsiders Almanac had said that the Rams had uh, their adjusted line yards number, which is you know how much is the offensive line helping the running game, how much is the running game responsible. Uh, the Rams' adjusted line yards were the highest they had tracked like in the history of their database going back to 96. So your boy McVay was scheming it up in the run game a little bit in the offensive line, uh, was doing a good job. They did draft Daryl Henderson. I think he's sort of an interesting player to keep an eye on. I think we both liked him right during the, uh, the draft prospect a little bit. And so he could be good for them. I mean, I still think they're going to be pretty good. I still think they're double digit, uh, win team, a playoff team just because, they kind of know what to do with the most in the aspect of winning football games. That's most important. Except, except being aggressive. The you know what? I was just, dis- I was disappointed with this because, uh, you know, I was writing my piece, which I'm sure you read, uh, probably multiple times about the contenders in the NFC. And I was writing about the Rams and I was all ready to, uh, crush him for this. But he ranked eighth in the the football outsiders aggressiveness uh, metric, which looked at all the yeah. I think that says more stuff. about I think that says more about the rest of the league than it does about him. Probably. Don't you think? Like I, I think there's like there's like a top three or four, and then there's just everybody else. I, yeah. That's that's my perception. That could that could be totally wrong. But well, Doug Peterson was fourth, uh, and I you know we were ripping him last year for right. it. And- And uh, he was still fourth. So maybe there is uh, something to that. But on the scale of NFL coaches, I I was kind of hoping he was going to be uh, in the bottom half where I could really bring that to people's attention. But alas, I was I didn't have the the data to do that. As long as Matt Patricia is still in the league, he's not going to be the biggest coward, I suppose. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he was, I think, 30th or something. Was he? How do you feel? How how has the uh, the national experience been in the comments for you? you? It feels like you're getting it from all angles. Uh, yes, it has. It's sort of like you're introducing yourself to a, a this this new group of people who you know they don't know anything about you, you don't know anything about them, and uh, you know the pieces that I've been writing have you know been kind of put in all these different team sections. So you'll get someone who is a uh, Lions fan defending them, and then someone who is a Packers fan ripping them, and so uh, it polices itself a little bit. I, I think what's been What's nice about the athletic is that these are all like paying customers, right? And, and so uh, you know, it's and not. And you make gonna... sure to thank them for that in every in every uh, response to a comment. I notice you got to build your uh, you got to build your brand. I want I need you know my livelihood depends on them reading my articles. That's now. true. My favorite my favorite I was laughing last night. My favorite single line in a comment that you wrote <laughs> in response to a comment was the sentence "Hello, Blurgle." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I thought it might have been when I called myself an Indian Sebastian Maniscalco. Uh, I didn't see that one, actually. No, you didn't see that oh, one. I missed okay. that one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Uh, someone said, you know, that's the other thing that's actually funny. You'll appreciate this is that I feel like for our Eagles coverage, you know, we would mix in jokes and humor uh, pretty often to, you know, some people liked it, others didn't. But uh, yeah, no, as, that's I, right. as I say, who cares? Uh, but, you know, I made like, I didn't make a lot of jokes in my, what was my last piece on it was, uh, 
I can't remember it what was I even... The, wasn't it ranking the, the teams who didn't make the playoffs? Yes. And their yes. likelihood of making the playoffs? Right, right, yeah, right. And you so went with I... your boy, the Melvin, as the number one seed. Give me a break. Well, who would you have above them? Anybody. Okay, well... If, if I put the Browns there, you would yell at me for that also. No, I don't think so. I don't think I would have. Oh, you're in on. I'm not in on them, but I wouldn't. I I have no. Listen, uh, I have no two years long everybody. beef uh, built up against them like I do okay. with with cousins. Uh, but uh, yeah, anyway, so for that piece, I wrote for each team's playoff path, and you know, made some jokes for the teams who really suck, and like people were like, "Whoa, wasn't expecting this humor." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this might be like kind of an easier audience. I don't know. But there was one person who told me to knock it off and be professional. So uh, I would imagine that would be someone from Dan Snyder's camp who has a subscription. That sounds about right. Uh, okay, so then uh, push come to shove. Which of, the, which of the three bets would you be most likely to make? The Rams 10.5, the 49ers at 8, or the Cardinals at 5? Which is, which is your best Ooh. bet of the three? Jeez, that's a tough one. I, uh, these are all stayaways to me. I think I agree with that. Ah, oh, man. You know, I, I, uh, I kind of like the, the Cardinals over the best. Okay. I was thinking maybe the Rams under. The Rams under is good. I don't know. I mean, I think they're going to win. 10 i said so it's not like a great bet yeah uh, i don't think that you know i don't know that they're going to be they've won i think 24 total the last two seasons so i don't know that they're going to be uh, that good but i couldn't bring myself and they to- go and i mean listen they go through the uh the short off season like the, the eagles had a year ago you know oh come on that's the most overrated thing you I've think heard. so i don't think that it is that is such a joke that the eagles were using that uh, they use that as like this excuse every time. What is it like two extra weeks? I don't think I, that it's. I don't think that it's like. Uh, then what is well, it? Well, I don't buy it. I don't buy it as like the Eagles' excuse for the for the year. But I I believe that it is a factor. How so? Please explain this phenomenon. This I I roll my eyes at this. Every Doug Peterson mentions it well, all. Well, the there's time. a reason. There's a reason that so many Super Bowl teams, other than the Patriots, uh, regress the year later. Maybe that's just because that's natural regression. I guess, but. Uh, I mean, that is a proven yeah, out thing. Yeah, it's because it's hard to get to the Super Bowl. Okay. I but, mean, like like the way they sell it is, oh, we had this shortened off season. Like you played for two extra weeks. Everyone <laughs> took time off. Uh, what you do in April and May is like meaningless anyway. You're golfing in Tahoe. Like, give me a break. <laughs> the, 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 the off season is like six months. All right. You I, have, I, I, you're, you're selling me a little bit. I mean, you don't have enough time to come up with some scheme adjustments and everyone's so tired by the time they get back in the first week of August. I mean, these guys are working out a few hours a day and then living life, uh, you know, for four or five months as they should. I'm not against that. But my gosh, the fact that that has like anything to do. I think this is with, a good take with, from the, with the Eagle season last year is such a joke. And like the reporters, you know, lead in with the questions like. Uh, you know, boy, how how much nicer was it this year to be done in the divisional round? Oh boy, that yeah, that's really gonna make like a world of difference. Give me a break. Okay, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I have missed. You've though. been holding up, and you've been holding on to that one for a while. <laughs> I feel. I feel like I've said that one before. I don't know. I tell you. I'll tell you the one thing I, I've uh, missed from the beat a lot is that I wasn't. And you brought this up during a recent pod is that I wasn't able to be in the locker room yesterday when everyone was being asked. Uh, how's it going to feel Thursday? Yeah. 
to hit someone in another uniform. Can you like? Can you take me through just so I can live vicariously through you on that? I was, didn't get to hear many. I was sort of oh. I, was, I was sort of going around the side. But but Daniel Gallon did tweet that uh, uh, someone had a good someone had a good answer. Let me see. Oh. oh, he said Sharif Miller responding to Bo Wolf's favorite question of being excited <laughs> to hit someone who isn't a teammate Thursday. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Definitely. <laughs> Oh, that's my, yeah, that I really live for that day. I, I probably should have come in for that, but uh, alas, it's too bad. All right. Okay. So you're going to, so you're going to weasel out of answering this question, which, which, which oh, no, you the question. Oh, okay, you said, so, oh, you did say maybe Rams under, you did say that. Uh, I don't want the Niners either way. Just cause we said they're too high variance. If I had to put a little lechuga on it, five is so low. Like how many teams win five? Right. So that's a little tasty that they could win six, maybe seven. Uh, all right. You talked me into it. Uh, I don't like it. I don't love it either. But yeah. I think I would rather maybe bet on the Cardinals winning six over um, some of the other wagers there. Now, I do want listeners to know that uh, Zach would like to – and I, he did this on Twitter, but he, uh, he's really torn up about the fact that on yesterday's podcast – he identified the first preseason game of the 2017 season as at Pittsburgh, when in fact it was at Green Bay. Uh, and I, I imagine that that he was unable to sleep last night. I know. I mean, the Sharif Miller fourth round, fifth round thing was was enough to to that start was shocking. Putting him over the edge, but but uh, I think when he found that out, that really was was too much for him to handle. Yeah, I'm not all the way through that episode, but like when you had the Sharif Miller disagreement, I'll be honest, I was like, well. You know, I know Zach's not messing this up, so, uh, you know, Bo's, but but you you got him on that. So I think you've got that over him. And I was going to text you before today that if you uh, pull that preseason game nonsense with me, I'm just hanging up the – I'm ending the recording. I'm not I'm not playing that game. What preseason? Oh, oh the oh, – yeah. yeah. I mean, I couldn't tell you anything about anything. Uh, yeah, so I'd that's love to a- give you the, uh, the audio <laughs> quiz. Uh, name that loon and see and see how you do. If it's like anyone other than Frank Reich, you've probably erased everybody from your memory already. That's not true. I actually feel like I did okay with that playing along. Okay. Uh, I was convinced. It is a I'm fun. St- like it, it, this is a this is a reporter's game. Like if you're going through your your yes. recorder, like of a locker room session, it is like a fun thing that you play with yourself. Who is this guy again? And then if uh, finally it clicks. I was convinced, and I think I still am convinced that the one was Dennis Kelly and not Andrew Gardner because Zach was stumbling on that. And I'm yelling, uh, you know, now I feel what, like what the listeners are like. Now I'm yelling in my head, Dennis Kelly. And then it wasn't Dennis Kelly. So I don't know. You might have to check the tape on that one. Well, it was, it was, I saw the video and it was Andrew Gardner. So I'm sorry to, uh, to break that to you. I still think it's Dennis Kelly. Well, that's your prerogative. Um, I do. You should also know that I uh, had asked Coach Flynn without you whether he was uh, willing to do an impromptu serial draft, and then I decided maybe we should actually make productive use of his time. So that's still still to come. My man. Well, he was willing to do it. Don't uh, oh. don't, oh, don't well. get it twisted. And I think he would have crushed you. So uh, the the other thing that's been interesting about being a listener, uh, and I will say now I know what are that you know I get excited when the overcast notification comes up and there's a new. Uh, episode for me to listen to. I feel like between that and reading on the athletic, like I, you know, I feel like I'm up to date. I will say about like, uh, you know, 30 to 45% of the names of the players you've mentioned in like the past two episodes, 
I have like no idea who like like my my mind is filled with these players from you know I'm trying to it's it's like scrambling to try to learn about these other teams and you know you guys are just going back and forth like these guys like anyone's going to remember who these guys are uh, in a few weeks and so that uh, that has been an interesting exercise as well. It's true that there's no, there's no doubt that uh, like half the guys we talk about will will be completely forgotten soon enough. All right. Do you have anything else uh, you need to get off your chest as you as you have some human interaction for once? Uh, anything else to get off my chest? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, some of these parents who I, you know, I've been doing a lot of. Ca- <laughs> I've been doing. I don't a lot think of ca- so. Some of these parents. I mean, you do a camp drop off, and like so, I, I've been and I at a few different camps. Like there are parking lots there where you you can park your car and then like walk your kid in. Right. And 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 like these parents can't be bothered. Like they have to pull up to the front door. Uh, you know, create this like the, this traffic jam in the parking lot and just let their kid jump out like they don't have an extra, you know, three minutes because their lives are so important. Like park the car. It, it's not like a designated drop off area. They're just doing like an impromptu drop off. So uh, it's an empty parking lot. Just drop the car, walk your kid in. I like that. I respect that. That's it. There's probably more, but that's all I've got right now. Okay. You got you to work uh, on your running list and your notes app again. I do really need to uh, need to have always have a notepad nearby when I listen to the episodes because I have like so many takes as I listen and then I forget about them. I actually did make a list here, so uh, yeah, we need to we need to revisit some of those topics soon. Okay, we'll do that. Yeah. All right, uh, that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. Thanks to Coach Flynn, Zach, and I will be back. Thursday night after the Eagles preseason opener to uh, recap the game in our first post-game pod of the season. And then uh, we'll be back at camp on Saturday. So still plenty of birds with friends uh, to come. Sheil, why don't you get on the listeners for, uh, for what, what they can do to help out? I mean, I'm not going to beg them to subscribe to The Athletic. That's their prerogative. No, no, not that. The oh. uh, rating and reviewing and subscribing. You know, oh, we're, you oh. know, we're going through the... Uh, the gauntlet of uh, every daily pods from training camp. The least, the least they can do is uh, give us a little something back in return. Well, you said it there. I know that's right. Have you mentioned the uh, the possibility of a live pod or a me- uh, live pod? I mentioned meetup? it at the end of yesterday's uh, show, oh. which you have not made it to yet. But but uh, we do need to look into that. We would like to make that happen before. Uh, the regular season starts if if possible so yeah i don't know who would be the right person not like an ombudsman but sort of somebody uh, with some organizational skills maybe some connections in the city like we don't want to have to do any work for this but but, uh, i legitimately want this to happen a nice uh you know me you and z berm having a nice uh, live pod at a venue uh in the city or maybe the outskirts of the city before the season starts uh i you know you know me i don't like doing much that's something I think I would like to do. I would like to do that as well. So uh, Someone maybe, maybe just speaking it into existence will we'll make it happen. Okay. All right. Well, that'll do it. Thank you for listening. And uh, as always, we love you.